Welcome everyone to the Modern Day Overthinker podcast. My name is Colin and I am your host. This week's episode is with Tabitha Strong. Tabitha is a fellow podcaster. Her podcast is called Deck Diaries and it's available on all platforms. Be on the lookout for a very special episode with me that we recorded right before this episode in Cedar Rapids. And I appreciate the soundbox for letting me record there. And also letting me do video and using their equipment. Really appreciate that. Awesome place if you're ever in Cedar Rapids, Iowa and want to record a podcast or music. They have a great setup. So shout out to them. This podcast episode was awesome because it was great recording two episodes back to back. One with a fellow podcaster and having her interview me. And flipping the script and having me interview her and had a great conversation about a variety of things. Tabitha's been through a lot, and she continues to push on. She's a very driven person. She got to speak at a Women Lead Change conference recently, and we talked about that, and also the development of her podcast, The Deck Diaries, as well as relationships. We talked a lot about relationships, and also just her being an empath, and a variety of different things, including how we met. So without further ado, this is episode number 67 of the Modern Day Overthinker podcast with Tabitha Strong. everyone to the modern day overthinker podcast my name is colin and i am your host today's episode is with tabitha strong i'm actually recording outside of my element i'm in cedar rapids at the sound lounge the name of the studio is actually called the sound box but the podcast portion of the studio is called the sound lounge so i wanted to get that correct for everyone that may need to utilize their services in the future it's a great place if you're ever in Cedar Rapids, and they did not pay me to say that. Maybe I'll ask for money later. <laughs> but uh, Tabitha, welcome. Hello, hello. We actually just recorded an episode of her podcast, Deck Diaries, so be on the lookout for that. They are very easy to find. It's Deck Diaries on Facebook and Instagram, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, Tabitha, how long have you been doing your podcast? Uh, I just started uh, this last fall in October. Okay. Yeah. And you've hit the ground running. You're doing weekly episodes. Yep. Every week. So seven months I've been at it. That's. Um, uh, but I didn't put content out until March. So. Okay. So you just. So you had a stockpile. Yeah. Nice. That's, I, had, I had season one done. And then um, it was actually like February 28th. I put my first episode out. That's awesome. So. I've obviously heard a little bit of how you. I personally know how you got into the podcast game and how that started, but just for the listeners who don't know you, how did you get started with the podcast? And also just give them a little intro about you and kind of 
what you do, and we'll go from there. Yeah. Uh, so again, I'm Tabitha Strong. Um, I am. I'm not originally from Iowa, actually. Uh, I was born south of Miami. Uh, grew up in Hawaii, uh, California, Idaho, all over the place. Uh, I was a Navy brat. Ah. Uh, my yep. dad. My dad was stationed in Pearl Harbor. Um, <clears throat> and then high school age came to Iowa once my dad got out of the military. Um, and I've been here now in Iowa ever since. Um, how the podcast got started, uh, for me, it was an open mic that I did that kind of ignited it all. Um, I went through a really nasty divorce. I was in a toxic relationship for a little over a decade of my life. Um, I've been through some shit. I've had addictions. Um, I've you know, lived a life that I wasn't proud of for a long time in my life. Um, and after the divorce, I kind of had uh, a very freeing realization with myself uh, because I had to be so honest about the fake relationship that I had been in for uh, a decade. Yeah. It kind of gave me the boost to be a little bit more honest about other aspects of my life. Um, but I went, I had a professor in college that got me writing again. So I'm a writer to my core. I've been journaling for most of my life. That's uh, where the diaries comes from with my podcast. Mm -hmm. um, and I decided to start sharing those things. And a professor that I had in college that I really, con I went to college late in life, uh, in my 30s, that I connected with was a writer herself. She's a published writer. And she uh, talked me into doing this open mic here locally in Cedar Rapids. So like a poetry open mic or just like yeah, a, just yeah. a very open open mic uh mostly poetry okay uh but there there was a couple singers and so, some other people there um so i got the courage to do it and i pulled one of the nastiest uh pieces out of my diary that i had uh written at that time in my life and the things that i was going through and i decided to go to this open mic and fucking spill my guts okay uh, and in doing so, uh, and I say this on, on that episode, my very first episode, I talk in depth about this, that you would think that the most beautiful freeing part for me was that I got up there and did this and shared these unspeakable things, uh, with complete strangers. But for me, um, it was when I got done and I got off stage that night and I went back to my seat and all of a sudden I got a little tap on my shoulder and somebody had passed me a note and nice. the note just said, thank you. And then I got another tap on my shoulder and the note had like a heart on it. Uh, another note said, I see you. And one of the last, I got several notes and one of the last notes that I got uh, that came shuffled down from the crowd, but behind me, um, it said, I'm in it right now. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, and it, it kind of just ignited something in me that maybe being truthful and sharing the things that you are ashamed of with others is not only helpful for yourself, but really helpful for others that they don't feel alone. I felt so not alone that night after yeah, doing that. That sharing is powerful. It's super powerful. 
Um, so I go through this nasty divorce. Um, I'm living on my own now again for the first time in over a decade. Um, me and my girlfriend, my, my best friend, are actually living together. She's divorced. I was divorced. Uh, and every Wednesday night, we would gather on our deck at home for WWW, which we pet named uh, for Weed and Wine Wednesdays on the deck. Nice. And really, it was just uh, a night of the week that a group of friends would get together and we would hang out on the deck. And what it slowly turned into, and I think very much so because I'm going through this very truthful journey in my life and I'm kind of oversharing. Mm -hmm. um, what I noticed is that the people that were coming over to hang out on the deck started to do the same thing and started to really open up and share things that they're like, oh my God, I've never fucking shared that with anybody before. Oh, you, you have no, no idea how many I opened times I've heard that. Yeah, like yeah. I opened Pandora's box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then it turned into the people that were coming over on Wednesday, Wednesday nights, the people on the deck just started to rotate. So now it wasn't just really it wasn't close. the same people every time. No, it wasn't. And it wasn't even just really close friends of mine. It was a close friend of mine that's like, hey, can my sister, my sister really needs to come over and meet you? Or, hey, I have a brother that's going through this. Like, can he come over? Or a coworker came over. Like, the people just started to rotate on the on the deck um and it was just it was really really beautiful to watch people be able to feel like they were in a safe space beyond just going to a therapist yeah it's um, kind of like almost like group therapy absolutely that's exactly what yeah. it was yeah um and i i have a again i'm a writer so and i'd like to say i think i'm a good writer um, and I just kind of have a, a way of, of speaking and talking to people. And, and then some of the shit that we talk about on the deck is just so ridiculous and oh, yeah. off the wall. And we are definitely not your typical girls' girls. We're kind of girls' guys. And we're not offended easily. Um, we talk about inappropriate things that, you know, some people may call locker room talk. Um, and I Fun stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I had a couple of friends that are like, Tab, like, you really should have your own show or like do a podcast or something. I'm like, nah, Someone brought it up and you're like, yeah. Yeah, nah. Um, and then the more and more that the deck evolved, the more and more I saw that there was a real need for it. That maybe this is really something that I should do. And yeah. I, the more that I share my story, I'm having other men and women come out of the woodwork that are like, you know, I was going through something similar or something worse, or and I felt all alone all of these years and I've had nobody to fucking talk to. Yeah. And that's where it all came from. So I you have a lot stored. I've got so much stored, dude. Yeah, uh, still have I, a lot stored, but you I have so much yeah. in the vault. Um, yeah, so I took a leap and decided to try it out. Yeah, and, and it's been going pretty well so far. It's been going really, really well. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and that consistency is very key. Um, even if you do change it to like every other week, but just so people know when to expect that new episode. Yeah. And it's still early in the podcast game. People think it's late, but it's really not. Uh, I know some people who just started podcasts as well. And I have to look it up again because obviously I just saw it on some video. And they're like, there's only been, like, there's only really like less than a million consistent podcasts that are still like being produced right now. And I'm like, if that's the number, that's really low, like in comparison to like yeah. other content. Mm -hmm. So, 
yeah, being in the podcast game is fun, and we share a lot of similarities in, as far as what we like to talk about on our podcast. Mine's, you know, a little bit more geared towards mental health because that's just kind of what sparked the idea. But having those open conversations and those below-the-surface conversations are very important to me, and that's very important to you as well, and I can tell. It's it's huge, and I'm a huge advocate for it too. Um, kind of one of the things that, that popped it off with my first episode, and I, I did a – I did a speech. I was invited to speak at a Women Lead Change conference. I know they have a uh, chapter in Quad Cities, actually. Awesome. Um, and it's a very, um, I'm going to say, mm, oh, Yeah, what's the vibe? Stereotypical, mostly white, buttoned up kind of vibe. I'm going to go with that. And I'm not trashing it. Like, but pan- like pantsuit? Yeah, like I like yeah, like I thought most people were kind of dressed like a news anchor. You know what I okay. mean when I went? I felt that and I was a guest the first year that I went. Um I felt completely out of place. Yeah, yeah. Uncomfortable, like I'm not good enough to be here kind of yeah. vibe. Um and then Which after talking to people you quickly were like, yeah. 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 Um so then I got invited to speak at it and I I think the reason that my submission was probably chose is because it was like nothing they had ever heard or seen like I went in there and fucking mic dropped yeah so this is this is very much a a leadership kind of conference on you know empowering women Mm -hmm. to you know be able to go after their goals in the workplace all amazing amazing things um but my in my head my philosophy was I could only imagine that probably 90% of the other women in the room that day felt the same way that I did. Like, are we, you know, kind of putting on a show, filtering, like what's Mm. really going on below the surface? So that's fantastic that we are empowering women to be great leaders and in the workplace and go after your dreams and your goals and everything. But what's really going on inside? Um, So I went in there and I wrote or I read, uh, at the end of my speech, the piece out of my diary that I read on episode one to an entire womenly change conference. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what I found is it's exactly what those women needed and wanted. Like the outpour that I received was like holy. I mean, I didn't even get completely off the stage and one of the head women uh, that's a part of this came up to me and was like, holy shit, I see you like Al-Anon's my only friend. Mm. Because people feel that they can't talk to people about it because they feel shamed because they're put in this buttoned up community where you have to put on airs and be this person when you really have a whole lot of shit going on in your life. Everybody has depression. Everybody has addiction issues or, you know, it touches them in some way. Yeah, well, on a certain certain level level. personally or... Yeah, that's one thing I wanted to talk to you about. What, because I know a lot of people out there are struggling with it. What's it like living with an addict? That's a loaded question, I know. But like, what's some experiences? And you know, obviously, you had to get out of that situation for the best for your safety and just for your sanity. But obviously, you lived in that lifestyle for a, lived in that life for a while, and yeah. around an addict for quite some time. And 
How did you cope with that? Um, I didn't. I wasn't. Yeah. Okay. Uh, mainly. Um, what have you learned then? We'll say we'll go there. What we what have you learned now? On the, now that I'm you're on, on the, the outside looking in and like, oh man. Um, I have learned that I deserve better. Yeah. I owe myself more than that. Um, that you don't have to stay in it. That you don't have to tolerate it. Um, my you, big my biggest lesson though is that I should have been talking about it. Because if I, mm -hmm. if I would have had the courage and put the shame of si aside to be open about what was going on in my world and the person that I was married to and, and the things that were happening in my house, um, I might have gotten out sooner. And that, that seems to be the collaborative of what I hear from most women is that we, and men, I should say, I shouldn't say just women, um, is that we stay in it more out of shame than anything. Was there part of it where it was like, where you had a glimmer of hope, like, what if he yeah, changes? Absolutely. I mean, you you love this person. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll never say that I didn't love him or have love for him. Um, yeah, you, you think that it's going to get better. I'm also, I'm or like one day he's going to wake up and be like, yeah. You know. Yeah. Because it has to be him. Right. That, that wants it. Yeah. Um, I'm also, uh, I'm a huge empath. Mm. I'm, yeah. I'm a fixer. I'm a healer. Um, I mean, obviously I do this show and I am the person that everybody comes to. I've always been that person. I'm the person that a random stranger will spill their guts to me and tell me their secrets. And I never knew why. Um, and I feel like I'm kind of at a place now in my life where I do know why. And I, I have, it's part of my purpose. Yeah. I feel the same way. Um, I'm not, I'm not judgy. I'm, I'm a pretty non-judgmental person. Um, but because of that, when I have love for somebody in that capacity, I think that because I'm so non-judgmental or because I give people the benefit of the doubt, um, or I see the humanity and what they're going through, um, I let a lot of shit slide. Yeah, too much. I cared too much about him and about our daughter um, that I wasn't taking care of myself and I wasn't caring about myself. And I was just letting the way that he was disrespecting me and treating me slide because I loved him. Yeah. And I thought that that's what I should do. Yeah, love isn't always enough. Fuck no. Yeah, it's not. Well, and and what I realized in the end, too, on the outside is that I didn't even love him as much as I thought I did. I loved the idea that mm, I was going to save him and that I was going to keep our family unit together. Um, I was also terrified of losing my daughter because she's not biologically mine. She's actually his daughter. And you um, can't really protect her as much. I couldn't protect her, and I feared that I would lose her and never be able to see her again. Um, so there was, I mean, there were so, so many different reasons why I stayed, why I tolerated it. Um, but one of the biggest lessons coming out of it is that I should have been talking about it. But instead, I was making excuses, hiding it, and enabling him. Mm. So I had all this fucked up shit going on in my world, but I wasn't telling anybody about it. So on his end, he's probably like, oh, that's not a problem. 
Well, I mean, he probably knew, but I mean, he knew, like, he knew what he was doing. It was with, easier to. Well, it was easy because I would just clean up the mess and whew, make it all go away the next day. Yeah, accountability, no accountability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my, you know, my family didn't know the truth about him. My friends didn't know the truth about him. I, I was living a completely filtered life. Like that's one of the biggest things I say is, you know, everybody it's exhausting. It's so exhausting, and everybody's so worried about who's filtering their pictures or whatnot. <laughs> um, first of all, leave that girl alone. Maybe that's what makes her feel good about herself that day. Yeah. Um, second of all, uh, stop filtering your fucking lives. Yeah. And I had to take. It was a hard slap in my own own face and my own ego. Um, to where I had to get to the point where I had to strip it all down and tell everybody the truth. And yeah. that was the hardest thing in the world is to tell everybody that I had been living a fake ass filtered life for over a decade. None of it was real. Yeah. The big is, beautiful house, yeah. the big 10 foot Christmas tree, the all of it. That's not what was really going on behind closed doors. Yeah. And once I said it out loud, it uh, it set me on this path, for sure. So do you still have a relationship with your, well, I wouldn't say she's, because she's not biologically your daughter, but do you still have a relationship with her? My daughter, absolutely. So when I left my husband, um, me and I call her my baby mama, so my hmm. my daughter's biological mother and I have raised our daughter together. Oh, Minus him, got because it. Because he's not really in the picture too much. Yeah, he's not really. He's still heavily an addict. Um, hard, hard. Um, so yeah, so me and baby mama raised her together. She just graduated high school, actually. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. What's she doing now? Uh, she's gonna be a vet. Hell she's yeah, go to vet school. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. She's doing really well. Um, yeah. So, and and I told her from the from the jump, I you know I'm divorcing your dad, not you. And, yeah, that's I mean, important. She, and for the listeners to to know, understand the impact too is I had been her. She calls me mama. I'm mama. Um, I'd been with her since she was ten months old. So this wasn't like I was like stepmom rolling in when she was like eight nine. Um, but that's my daughter. What yeah. or not, that's my kid. Yeah. That makes sense. She's crazily a lot like me. Like, it's funny how they're, you know, they say nature versus nurture. Yeah, you rubbed off on her. Nurture, for sure, I think is stronger than nature all day. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my girl. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome that you you can work with. Baby mama. The baby mama. Uh, I know that's a whole nother podcast. I, I'm actually going to have her on the podcast because. Awesome. I, I mean, it's really a beautiful story because trust me, you, it was not. At the beginning, it was probably like pulling. Oh, for like eight years. It was. Yeah. It was not rainbows and butterflies. Yeah. Um, but for her and I to get to a point where we can respect each other and understand that the most important thing is our daughter um, is profound in itself. I mean, she had to eat a lot of crow. I had to eat a lot of crow, um, and I wish more people could do that and realize, like, I'm a huge advocate. I say it all the time for this is everything doesn't have to be ugly. Breakups don't have to be ugly. Mm -mm. Divorce doesn't have to be ugly. Um, If you, you know, grow out of a friendship, it doesn't have to be ugly. You can still say hi to that person and smile at them or hug them if you see them on on the street. Like, everything doesn't have to be drama. 
Um, And for us to show our daughter what that looks like, so impactful for her. Oh, very. I mean, that we're two grown-ass women, and you can get along and put your shit aside when really our shit was all him. Yeah. Once, you know, once I was out of that relationship and her and I could sit down and talk, um, there was a lot of realization and a lot of truth that happened, too. Um, like, oh, you do? Yeah. It, I, yeah. Because she ultimately went through the exact same thing yeah. with him that I did. It was not far off. Um, mine was just maybe more elevated because he was real deep progressive. into it. Yeah. 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 It gets progressive. Yeah. So, yeah, I carried that relationship on with my daughter for sure. Well, now you're in a new relationship. I am. Thank God. And it's you talked about it on one of your episodes, your first episode Mm -hmm. about you said dating outside the box. It was a box. I think for most people it's a box. Yeah, you put yourself into like, I'm only going to date these type of men and... Unfortunately, those type of men that you dated were not the best. And you decided, hey, because you were going through a yes phase where mm-hmm. you were saying yes to everything. And this oh, guy asked yes you out. Phase. Yes. And you said yes. Yes. And now you've been dating ever since. So the yes, the yes phase, I guess that's a that's a good thank you for bringing that up. That's an important yeah. part of the story because uh, the open mic was part of my yes phase. So mm-hmm. I had uh, after the divorce, I had a friend that had come over and was sitting on the front porch with me having coffee and and it invited me to go camping or kayaking something of that nature or both um and I said yes but when I said it it was the first time in over a decade that I had truly said yes to something open freely with no like doubt in my mind or and I know that not to worry about it yeah like I know that sounds really weird but it was it was really important for me at that moment. Um, so I told myself after that, that I was going to do this whole year of yes, which meant that I was going to say yes to everything that came my way. Um, any party invites, dinner invites, trips, um, that I was going to say yes to everything. Robberies. No, I'm just kidding. Except butt stuff. (laughs) No butt stuff. No butt stuff. No butt stuff. Um, but I was going to say yes to everything and just kind of figure out who I was again, because I didn't know. I had mm. been in this dark place you're for being, so. You're playing a character and yeah, double I, life. Yeah, I stuff. didn't. I didn't know what I wanted to say yes to anymore. What I liked or what I didn't like, um, you know. And I, and I was dealing with a, a lot of depression and anxiety, really bad PTSD. Um, I was dealing with a lot of things, so I needed to keep myself busy too. Mm. And being a former addict, I also needed to make sure that I was using my time and my decisions in a productive, positive way so that I didn't slip back into maybe drinking too much or doing drugs. I was very fearful of that because I was in a really low fucking place. Yeah. Um, He was also stalking me. So Mm. my anxiety and my fight or flight, I had been in fight or flight for so long. Yeah. Um, And then that fight or flight, you would think decreased when I left him, but it actually increased because he came after me hard. Like, I thought I was going to end up on Dateline. Ooh. It was really, really bad. Yeah. Like, breaking into my car, putting video recording devices in my vehicle, uh, texting me, telling me what time I got home and what I was wearing. Crazy shit. That's a whole nother episode. Oh, yeah. Crazy shit. Um, So I needed to make sure that I was going to 
be positive and keep my chin up kind of thing and do yeah. all the things. So I said yes to everything to do all the things. And one of those yeses was my boyfriend, Ben. Mm. Um, ben is a guy that I actually um, briefly dated when I was 17. He's the guy that my mom and dad wanted me to date. Yeah, yeah. He's the nice guy. Um, and yep, yep. <laughs> and, uh, so I dated him briefly when I was 17. Uh, we went on a few dates and then, um, as, as my, uh, life would continue, uh, I ghosted him and went after like this, like six, nine basketball player who yeah. was the bad boy. Yeah. And ghosting uh, was way easier back then. We, you we all, didn't have phones. Yeah, no phones. Yeah, just so everybody who's young listening. The ghosting process was so much easier. So much. Like, you literally, that was it. Just that was it. We, we spent a lovely few dates uh, the summer I was 17 together, and then that was just it. Mm -hmm. uh, life went on. 20 years came around. Um, we found one another on social media. Um, and because the audience doesn't know him, uh, he is a very, he's an introvert, um, kind of a nerd, um, different kind of guy. Uh, again, not somebody that I would ever date. I mean, again, I dated him when I was 17 and I even said no back then. He mm -hmm. just isn't my typical type of man. Um, but so, and if for him out of his norm, we were talking on social media and just like, hey, how are you? Who Holy start, shit. Who started talking to who? I started talking to him. We, there's still a debate of who sent who the Facebook friend request. I say he sent me one. I didn't send him one. Okay. But, and, and might I add you. Who slid into the DMs first, though? I did. Because I was like, hi, how are you? Because oh. you sent me a fucking friend request. Okay, gotcha. But he'll gotcha. argue that point that he doesn't, we don't know who did. Um. But yeah, I was like, hi, how are you? Holy shit, haven't seen you in 20 years. Like, what's up? Yeah. Um, and he uh, he he always says that the reason he did it, there is a Wayne Gretzky quote that says, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. Yeah. Okay. So he said it took up a little bit to type it, but he typed, want to get a drink sometime. And for him, if you know him, that's way... It's a big deal. It's a really big deal. Shooting the shot. That yeah. he... Yeah. Um, especially because uh, I'm still in his mind the girl like I was his white buffalo. Do you know what I mean? Girl, buffalo. Yeah, I was his white buffalo. Ah, uh, I got one of those. Yeah. yeah. Um. So it was a really big deal for him to ask me out. Yeah. And because I was in that year of yes, I fucking had to say yes. And and again, I wouldn't have said no because of who he is or the way he looks or. Because first of all, 20 years did that man very well. Wow. He grew up. Yes. Bravo to him. Um, yeah. He's, I mean. Aging he's, gracefully. He Respect. aged beautifully. And he is a handsome, handsome man. Um, but what got me to is that he was still the same nice guy that he was. Yeah. He didn't lose that. No. Um, so I said yes. And we went on a date. And it was, it was cool because, so he, he didn't live here. Okay. In Iowa. So he lived in Minneapolis. Oh, okay. When we started talking. Um, so we spent a couple of months just talking uh, via text, on the phone, social media, whatever. Um, we just talked, which was really nice because it was an easy way for me to transition. Again, I hadn't dated in over a decade. 
I hadn't been on a date. World's changed. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I didn't like go sleep with anybody after my divorce. Like I held up in my house for like eight months after my divorce. Yeah. Um, I wasn't out there dating. I didn't do the online dating bullshit or any of that. Um, so it was kind of a nice transition for me to just talk to somebody and get to know him. Yeah. And him Start get slow. To, just yeah. There was like not a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, and then he came to Cedar Rapids for my birthday. Um, I was going out with a bunch of friends, had like kind of a, a quasi dinner party, whatever planned and was like, yeah, Hey, you know, why don't you come up for it? So that was our first date. Um, and it was, it was instant for both of us. It, it was kind of cool, um, that I let my guard down. Um, and, but most importantly, I let my guard down in what I thought my type was. Yeah, why I do you let think it you had that go. guard? I think because my own insecurities, um, I kind of dated a certain kind of guy, uh, maybe a little abnormally attractive. I mean, very attractive men uh, because it made me feel better about myself. Um, I also grew up not... Um, believing or told that I was the greatest. Um, so I think my low self-esteem kind of played into that is I dated guys. It made you feel better by yourself. The, the external part made me feel better about yeah. myself. Um, and I was a girl that was an easy target for a not so good guy to latch on to. Mm. And those are just so... So I'm the kind of girl that they're attracted to because they know that they can treat me a certain way. and um, You're attracted to them mainly physically. Well, and, and I think because I was kind of used, because of the relationship I had with my mother, um, I was kind of used to the pat punch kind of relationship or transactional love. Oh, yeah. Um, that I was used to it. So I tolerated it. I, I was a being that tolerated more than maybe other girls would tolerate. So they latched on to that pretty good. Okay. Um, and Ben is the polar opposite. <laughs> um, I also knew that if I was, because I, I did not have any interest in dating. Poor guy, bless his heart. And, and he'll tell you. I, I mean, I wouldn't even call him my boyfriend for six, eight months. Like, I had no interest in. Yeah. I was terrified, though. I was scared. Mm -hmm. um, I also, there was still just that that PTSD in me yeah. that doesn't trust men, um, doesn't trust that somebody could actually love me the way that you're telling me you love me or that I'm so wonderful or that I'm all of these amazing things um, terrified me because... Typically, the men that I have dated is it's all of those wonderful things in the beginning and love bomb, love bomb, yeah, love bomb. Um, where with Ben, the love bomb never ended, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, because it's actually genuine, and he really yeah, he does wasn't fucking just love feeding me. you bullshit. No, he just, really thinks yeah. that I'm amazing because God damn it, I am. But <laughs> yeah. it's taken me a long time to get there to even Say like that. like you you said that it's hard to take compliments, yeah. and I feel that. Um, but you got to give yourself compliments too, and it took me a long time to give myself compliments to go. You know what? Affirmations. Yeah. You are things. a catch. Like 
Yeah, you're, I'm discovering that as well. Like myself. you're kind of cute. You're super intelligent. You're kind of a nerd. You're open. Like I had to tell myself these things in mm-hmm. my head every day is like, you know, Tab, you, you are a catch and you deserve a good guy. But yeah. It's a long road to get there. Oh, yeah. I know what you mean. It's a long road. Um, so ultimately, to answer your question, why I dated the same guys, because I felt like shit about myself, probably. And I'm easy prey. Yeah. Ugh. I hate to I hate to say it like that, but men like that. Well, you're prey by nature. If you're an empath, you're kind of, you lean more towards the people pleasing. And if they can recognize that. I find the broken ones. Yeah. Because I want to fix them. Oh, yeah. I've been there. And then I'm easy prey because they can shit on me and treat me like shit. And I tolerate it because my tolerance level for that kind of mental abuse is so much higher. Yeah, it goes so far back. Because and of where I come used from. To it, yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm used to it. Easy prey. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, it's a good thing you're off the market. Yes. Don't have to worry about that. Yes. Right now. Yes. He's a good guy. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a huge promoter now too, within my, my girlfriend circle of give people a chance that maybe you wouldn't normally give a chance or just because when you first meet them, maybe you're not completely physically there yet. You would be surprised how physically you get there once you really fucking get to know somebody inside, because that is so much sexier than, I mean, he fucked my brain before he fucked me. Let's say that. Yeah. And that fucking matters. And that is the first time that that had ever happened to me in my life where I mentally fell for somebody before I physically fell for them. Because I didn't see him in person right away. I mean, yeah. I saw pictures. Yeah, yeah. But to, I mean, you can see a picture of a hot chick all day and then you meet her and you're like, she's a fucking piece of work. Uh, you know what I mean? That. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. just because. Well, yeah, it's just like this. meeting somebody in person. It's a different attraction. It's a different vibe. Um, that's why I'm so like with everybody. Everything just being online and people only communicating or dating online is so weird to me. Because I refuse to do online dating. You haven't done it? No, I stopped. Okay, so you have ventured down that road. Yeah, I'm retired. I'm out but of it, game. But it's weird, right? Because I feel it's like... awful. I feel like there's something to say about meeting somebody in person. Like, if, so I'm, if I'm being honest, and I've told my boyfriend this to his face, and he knows. First of all, most men take terrible pictures. You guys all look like shit on social media, and your Tinder profiles all look like crap, right? Yeah. It's okay. You just got to get, like, a girlfriend that'll help you with all that. Yeah, stuff. I don't really want to do it, though. I know. I know. That's okay. But I know what you're saying. But. I, I do. Based off of his social media, my, no. Yeah. It would have been no. But the <laughs> moment I met him again yeah. after 20 years. Some and, of the best guys I know are not even on social media. Yeah. Oh, he could give a shit less about social media. Yeah. He has it, but he doesn't care. Yeah. But, yeah, based if I'm basing it off of his dorky ass pictures of himself or his Legos for God's sakes. Like, like I remember the first time I went to his apartment. Oh, Legos guys. He loves Legos. Legos um, are dope. I the first it. time I went to his I apartment in Minneapolis, I, I seriously in my head had like, I'm like 40 year old virgin. Like, yeah, he's yeah. a little bit 40 year old virgin. Like just yeah. a touch, yeah. just a touch. But when I walked into his apartment, I'm like, Oh my God. But I let my guard down and I allowed myself to be vulnerable and open-minded. Open-minded is big. And holy fuck, I fell in love with him and he's adorable. 
and he's a good guy. Yeah. So breaking that was a I mean, ultimately, I would say that was an addictive pattern that I had to break of dating the same kind of men. And and we see it. You see it. I see it. We see it over and over again. Mm -hmm. Uh, these amazing men and women dating the same kind of people. I mean, I have male friends, and I'm like, really, dude? Like, they bring the new one to the barbecue kind of situation. And, you're just like, ah. and I'm like, you've dated her 10 times before. She's just wearing a different dress. It's the same girl. Yeah. Stop dating the same girl. Yeah. Well, because she gave you good head, sweet. Is she yeah. go, you know what I mean? Is she going to put Bengay on you when you're 70, though? That's what you should be worried yeah, about. That... Make a good casserole. Thank you. Like, Casseroles she, are important. Is she a good communicator? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, good communicator. Oh, man. Communication. <sighs> Huge. It, it really is. It sounds so cliche, but uh, and I've talked about this on the podcast, too, but communication and the fact that they, I really, truly believe that they should be your friend. Like your best friend. Yeah. And like I, he's my bro. I completely agree with like that. He's we're buddies. Yeah. That's and awesome. It's super important. And um I think too to Like we're it's at a point where it's like you don't even need to hang out with other people. Like you you like other people, you like hanging out with other people. But if it was just you two, you'd be having a great time. Oh, always. We have yeah. a fantastic time. Yeah. 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 Um we're also very uh, independent, though. So, yeah, you don't live together. We don't. Um, and we've been together. It'll be six years in October. Wow, that's a long time, and not living together. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that bond. Yeah, that it's like, a, it's like a healthy boundary, or um, it's it's a tabby thing. It's okay. Initially, it's a tabby boundary. Well, and first of all, too, remember he lived in Minneapolis, so we dated for over two years before he even moved to Iowa. Got it. Um, so we already had that long distance thing going. Um, so you're I, used to the distance. Yep. Yep. Uh, which I mean, made us like people put their nose up at long distance relationships, but honestly, I've I, honestly thought about going that route. Like it's kind of cool. Like we would bit. get, ex I mean, we'd only see each other like once or twice a month, but it would be so, so exciting cool to look forward to that. Yeah. And we spent so much time where our only option was to talk to each other on the phone. Yeah. Uh, that we, that's what we did. We talked yeah, because we weren't in front of each other, letting sex get in the way or, uh, you know, going on dates. Yeah. All the other distractions. Um, so yeah, that, that super helped for sure. Um, but no, we don't live together. Um, you guys both kind of like your space or is it more? It's more me. It's more you. It's more me. <laughs> it's more. Um, he, how many times has he brought it up? Us living together? Yeah. I would say equally, like we openly talk about it. Yeah. Like it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, he's never been pushy with me. Um, he, he said something in front of me and I have a, I have a man best friend. I call him my Mesty. Um, mm -hmm. I, there's an episode called Mesty. Um, and it was one of the first times he had ever met my Mesty and Brian said to him, you know, dude, I, I've been friends with her for over 20 years and the one thing that I have seen with every man that's ever been in her life is they they try to tame her and they try to like put her in a glass box and that's the worst thing you could ever do mm -hmm. like just kind of giving him like foresight and and Ben looked at him and he said that's actually the last thing I want to do is a I know I'll lose her 
that way. And like, I'm kind of the bird that needs to fly. Like I'm the most loyal monogamous person in the world. Hands down. I would never. Um, but I'm also very, I'm, I'm independent almost to a fault. Yeah. Um, I never wanted to get married. Uh, the marriage that I did have was pressured. Um, kind of felt that I had to, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to walk down the aisle. Yeah. Um, I never wanted to have kids. I've always just been just fine. Like I want to be in a relationship, but I've never been the girl that like dreamed about my wedding or ever put a pressure on a guy. Like, give me a ring, give me a ring, put a ring on it. Kind of like, that I'm not timeline that person. Yeah, like there, that for me, scary for me, there's no timeline. Yeah. Like time is, is what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he, he moved here after a couple of years and I was already in the living situation that I was in. Mm -hmm. Um, there's also that part of me that's very scared to do that again, mm -hmm. to take that step again. Yeah. Um, and it'll just, it'll happen when it happens. There's, there's no rush. We talk about it. We, yeah. he's very aware that he's the last page in my book. Yeah. So if we trust each other and we promise that to each other, then that is what it is. I'm also a busy girl. Um, I, my social calendar is fucking ridiculous most of the times. I have the podcast. I work full time. He works full time. He's got his own shit going on. Um, and I think that it's actually been really healthy. It's our relationship is abnormally healthy. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, you need to have your own lives. Yeah, to to where. And I told him, too, I said, when when he moved here, because that was the big thing is when he moved from Minneapolis to here, everybody's like, oh, are you guys going to live together? And I'm like, actually, no, like, I don't want that because we dated for two years apart. Mm -hmm. Now it's almost like a whole new re-dating. So now we're dating in the same city, which changes the dynamic. So we had to get used to that, seeing each other more often, how his life worked, my life worked. Um, if he was actually going to be the guy that wasn't going to clip my wings because I am such a active person with things going on all the yeah. time. Like, is he, is he going to be able to handle it? Like, yeah, I'm the pitcher. He's the frame kind of situation. Yeah. Can you handle it? Um, so it, I, the, the last couple of years of test. Yeah. Like just figuring out if this is because I'm not out to hurt him either or no. to not be the person in need his life. We need to make life. sure it works, though. Yeah. We need to make sure that it works. And um, yeah. And I mean, 2020 didn't help. And the house market fucking sucks. Like looking for a house right now is just Brutal. ridiculous. So if there if there is no timeline and he's not, you know, giving me a timeline or pressure and I'm not giving him a timeline or pressure, it'll happen when it happens. Yeah. It's a good way to look it's, at it. Right or wrong, I don't know. It's different for everybody. I mean, some people want to get married and move in right away. I think a lot of people live together for financial reasons anymore, and it drives me nuts. Yeah. Like, financially, would it be cooler if we lived together? Yeah, duh. Absolutely. Yeah. Two, two household income, right? Ideal. But I've done that before for those reasons. For those reasons. And didn't work out too well. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, yeah. So... Yeah, and I think there's, like I said, I think there's something, one of the, I it's tell, unique. It, it is unique, and I tell people people this all the time, too, uh, probably one of the reasons that I feel the way that I do is one of the happiest couples that I've ever met in my life have been together over 50 years now, and they don't live together, and they never have. 
she has a little house in t- this little town outside of Cedar Rapids. And about four streets away, he has a little house. And that is how they have lived for the entirety of their relationship. Are they married? Yes. That's pretty dope. They're the That's happiest little fucking couple I've ever met in my life. They love each other so much. She's like, we have sleepovers all the time. Like <laughs> Sleepovers. Like, they're <laughs> awesome. so happy, though. That's great. Um, And, and again, that's going extreme. You yeah, know, not but living. you got to do what works, though. I mean, yeah. like, just like. I mean, I've even told Ben, I'm like, no even. cookie cutter bullshit. Even when we do live together, like, I really do want there to be, a, call it a guest bedroom or whatever, maybe. I have a woman cave. But just a safe <laughs> space for both of us yeah. where, like, if I need a break, because I am that kind of person, too, that I get, um, especially because I am the empath and I am the person that everybody comes to and get I have the show. I do. I get emotionally burnt out. Yep. And it has nothing to do with him. And um, oh, yeah. he, he, him and I are, are comfortable to the point now where he knows, like, he doesn't take it personal. There was a little bit in the beginning where he'd get a little bit like, did I do something wrong? Yeah, and it's like, yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Um, where I just need to shut off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's good for anybody. And he needs to do it, too. Like, we can silently sit on the couch with each other for, like, three hours and not say a word. It's fantastic. Yeah. Like, comfortable silence is... Oh. oh, it's so amazing. It's so slept on. Um, so, yeah, I'm a huge advocate for having my own room or a, a room that's dedicated to a safe space for either of us. Yeah. Where we don't get butt hurt if maybe I want to go sleep in the other room and fart and watch Netflix and eat like shit by myself. Like, hell yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just a safe space where maybe he had a bad day and he doesn't want to fucking talk to me. I didn't do anything wrong, but maybe he just wants to be alone. Yep. I know what you're talking about. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that alone time is is so important. And um, I think because I went through everything that and I went a through. there's huge difference between isolation and alone, and alone time. Absolutely. Yes. That's very important. Yes. And people don't talk about that enough. No. Where it's okay if you just need a break. Yeah. Like, it's so, me and my roommate, we can go a couple days without even really seeing each other or talking to each other. Like, and she knows and I know. Like, I know if she comes home and she's not, like, out in the common area of the living room interacting, she's in her room or I'm in my room. Like, we know that. And then we'll see each other in a couple days and be like, what's up, bro? Like, there's nothing wrong. No. Um, But I think that people are uncomfortable with accepting that or saying that out loud that they do need space, that it turns into a fight. Yeah. Yeah, like, it turns into a fight. Yeah, like what am I doing? What's wrong? Why mm-hmm. do you want to hang out with mm-hmm. me? Da, da, da. Nothing. I still love you. I just yeah don't yeah, want to. Some people like, interact right now. Sometimes it's yeah, just bad timing. People ask me to do something, and I've had a rough day, or just like I'm or not even necessarily. Rough day. I'm just burnt out. I'm just tired. Yeah. I was just looking forward to just doing nothing. Yeah. Oh, oh doing a, nothing's the best sometimes. Sometimes it is. It's yeah. just like veg down, watching show or whatever. Watch. I've been watching more comedy specials because, like I said, like we've talked, like we talked about on your podcast, like um, I watch comedy different, a little bit differently now. Um, not too much differently than I did before. I just appreciate the art form and just enjoy it for what it is. I know some comedians who like. They can't watch other stand-up specials because they're like, they'll start to like mimic people. Mm, yeah. And I'm like, oh man, I I I, I don't want to be like anyone else. Yeah. Um, and I get that in a sense. Like I've watched so many Theo Vaughn clips, I feel like I'm gonna turn into him. But like, <laughs> I can't be Theo Vaughn. There's no other Theo Vaughn. No. No. 
Not no. even close. Well, and yeah, just remember there's no other Colin either. So exactly, and I know that but too. You, but but uh, I mean, if you take inspiration from other things, then oh, that's it's okay. so inspiring to me yeah, to yeah. watch that stuff. It's I love it. I can't get enough of it. Like I wa- I just watched the John Mulaney special, and I understand that, and I could relate to that not as a comedian, as a as an addict more than anything because he talked about his relapse. Yeah, did you watch it? I did. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was fantastic. I love John Mulaney. And I was just like, some of the stuff like he did like at rehab. And yeah. Like, or in the Outback. I'm just like, and the, just the crazy ideas that you have. And I'm just like, yep. Mm-hmm. And some people are like, oh, that's really funny because that's so ridiculous. And I'm just like, that's so true. Yeah. All that stuff is like, he didn't make any of that up. Mm-mm. Yeah. And I know that. And that's uh, the authenticity. He's speaking his truth, though. Oh, he's just speaking yeah. his truth. It's yeah. so great. And just the way, um, I think my favorite part that I related to the most of that special was when he talked about he was just really, where he came, where he cut himself off of his own money with his account. Yes. <laughs> um, and he would have to, like, think of clever ways to steal money from himself. So he bought a Rolex just to sell it. Yes. And I was just like, that is something I would Went do. And Maybe not like a Rolex because I don't have that kind of I don't have that credit line, but I would have done something like that yeah. just to get money. I'd cash advances and dumb crap all the time. Yeah, um, checking the cash. I never did that. <laughs> I would refuse to go into those places, but I would just do cash advances, which are just as bad on a credit card, you know. Yeah. But yeah. Um, Speaking of comedy, oh, yes, yeah, we got to talk about yes, Grandma Lee. That's how Lee. we met. I guess we should probably yeah. tell the audience that, right? Yeah. Like, how did we meet? We, at Classic Event Center for a comedy show that you yeah. jumped on the open mic. It was my first time there too. Was yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, and I immediately recognized that this is going to sound so cheesy or cliche, but I made her say this. I, I no, he didn't. I immediately recognized that. There was something special in you. Um, I've been around the comedy circuit for a long time in my life. Um, my grandmother was a, in her own right, famous stand-up comedian. Um, so I've been to a lot of shows, seen a lot of comedians. Um, I love comedy, too. I watch all the specials and mm-hmm. go to live comedy events. And um, I made it a point to come up to you after the show and tell you that I thought you were really good. You're super talented. Just wanted to let you know, and you know, and you know that's important too, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, And I really good at your art, and it should be pointed out, not just with claps. Like yeah, with claps, the claps and laughs are nice, obviously. Yeah, for sure. But after the show is when we feel the weirdest as comedians. It's so awkward, and especially if you stick around a little bit. I don't even necessarily stick around to like hopefully like somebody like you comes up and says you did a good job. Yeah. But it's obviously I'm not going to like hate that experience. Uh but it's more so like I don't know what to talk to people about and you know uh some people stick around, some people talk to people. I normally just shoot the shit with other comedians after the show and uh if I stick around or if I don't place this go. I also try to make it a point if I go to an open mic, it's usually a whole thing like I don't just go to the open mic to go up on stage and leave. Mm-hmm. I like to support the other comedians and As you watch should. them. As you should. And it, yeah. And I notice some people don't always do that. Really? And it bothers me. Really? 
Yeah. I haven't noticed that in any of them you may that not... I've been to around here. But but again, I'm not paying attention because I'm watching the show. Exactly. Yeah, you don't really notice who leaves uh-uh. and who comes and goes. I Obviously, I pay attention to that because I know all, I know a lot of these guys and gotten to know them. And, um, some people, I like, get it. You know, they, they're, they have busy lives and... You know, family that to get go, they gotta get home and yeah, something going on. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know why it uh it bothers me. Um, because it doesn't it has nothing to do with me. Mm-mm. Uh, so, but I, but it's, I, it's your moral compass. But there's sometimes where I'm like, where I've where I've actually wanted to leave or need or maybe even needed to leave, and I didn't because I was like, I want to watch that next person. I want to make sure they know that I'm here supporting them. Yeah. Um, which is good and bad because it's like I need to have some boundaries and I'm working on that too. It's yeah, constant we struggle talked about that with the boundaries. We talked yeah. about that. I got reamed on it. No, I didn't get, I didn't get reamed. But I got, I got questioned. Yes. Uh, I got Barbara Walters. Yeah. <laughs> boundaries uh, are good though. That, I, I mean, yeah. that's something that I, um, I'm not feeling really bad about it. And, yes. Yeah. Not feeling bad about everything. Like, so with all the, my whole year of yes, there was also the, being okay setting my boundaries and learning to say no learning to say no i don't want to go to that not because there's anything wrong yeah because i just don't want to i don't want to yeah, yeah. saying yes to things like that you that to serve your core you. does it serve you yeah yeah it's important yeah but yeah i had to make it a point to come and let you know that i thought you were and i genuinely mean it i think that you're good and i think that you've got something there um and Grandma would have liked you. I appreciate that. Yeah, Grandma Lee. Grandma Lee. Some people. I had, once I looked it up and I saw the face, I recognized the face. Now I have yeah. to. Now I'm gonna have to watch some uh, some, some clips episodes. later. Yeah. Yeah. She Dude. was. Uh, she was on America's Got Talent. Okay. Comedy Central back in the day. Jenny Jones. She had her own show in Vegas for a while. She toured the entire country. Who, left, did, who are some of the comedians that write. she got to like share a stage with that were like 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 like. like some of the legendary ones oh, that you can think of, like uh, Lily Tomlin. Yep, Lily Tomlin. Um, I know the name more than I know her work, but um, yeah. Who is the big guy? Um, oh, you How big we talking? Spot. Louis, 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 Louis Anderson. Maybe, yeah. Louis C.K. Yeah. Uh, Louis C.K. is not more. No, no, Anderson, I believe. Louis Anderson, yeah. Um. I mean, Carlin, really, well, Carlin. Really, when, really is, when she was in. She started late, too, right? She did. She yeah. didn't start until her 60s. Which is epic. I, it's super epic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but typically, I mean, she was the show. So. Yeah, yeah, Especially yeah. after America's Got Talent, then she did a lot of work in Vegas. Okay. So she would just, she was the, the headliner. I guess some of the legends that were her age were already passed on. Correct. Yeah, so she didn't even get a chance to meet somebody. No, no. Um, yeah, because I'm like, thinking of, like, Dangerfield I mean, he, and, like, stuff yeah, like that. Like, and he were, started late in life, too. He started late, too, yeah. Yeah. He um, put a lot of people on, too. And you and you got to figure for, for her, too, like, and, I mean, it's still women in comedy isn't as, no. there's more of you than there is of us. Oh, yeah. It's, um, it's, so, like. I tell women all the time if they're even remotely funny and they say, mention something like, oh, I could never do that. I'm like, you could. And you could, if you got good at it, you could clean up. Yeah, Tom's been trying to get me on stage. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Do yeah, it. yeah. At least uh, try it. I don't, eh, eh, I don't know. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, yeah, for her, uh, her mentors, you would say, or people she looked up to were, yeah, probably gone and passed the Carol Burnett's and Lucille yeah. Ball and stuff like that. Um, yeah, she. What about Roseanne? That's a controversial one. Uh, she. Roseanne's. Younger, I guess. She, uh, I mean, I can't say that my grandma ever talked smack about her. I don't think it was, you know, I think she respected her as a comedian for sure. Yeah. Um, She's controversial. Yeah. But is she a good comedian? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she kind of did the damn thing in her day. And I mean, she broke down some walls for women comedians and you can't deny that. You can't deny that. Lover or hater or whatever her views are. And it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like when you talk about Michael Jackson. Yeah. Like. The reality is he was super talented and he's an icon in our entire world in the music industry. Now, love him or hate him or the things that he did. I mean, you could say that about any celebrity nowadays, really, right? Oh, my God. I mean, let's be really, really honest. We are all so imperfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, some of us more fucked up than others. Um, R. Kelly. I mean, the list yeah. goes on. Bill Cosby. Ooh. Um, so, yeah. when I mean, yeah, when you ask about somebody like... And my grandma was... It's probably where I get the the train of thought that I have, or the non judgmental in me is from her. Really, is um, I mean, give credit where credit's due, and otherwise, are you sleeping with them? Are they your best friend, or do they sit at your dinner table? Why the fuck do you care? Yeah. Mm. You have to. <laughs> you have to have an attitude like that, and you have to have tough skin to get on stage. In a sense, like you can't. Uh, you are not going to get very far with, no. with stand-up. No, I got my tough skin from her, too. Yeah, if you don't have tough skin, like, mm. you're going to hit a, you're going to get, you're going to plateau. When she was, like, a little cute old lady, too, so that definitely Helpful. helped it helped her. As everybody loved her. She's yeah. super fucking cool. Adorable. She's super cool, too. Like, yeah. she just, the shit that would come out of her mouth. and You she, wouldn't expect her to no, say it. No, yeah. I mean, she talked like a dirty sailor, and she smoked, you know, cigarettes <laughs> oh, yeah. and drank, and, um... She was just, and then, but then when you would sit and talk to her, she was just the most sweetest, super intelligent. She was a writer. Mm. Um, so what'd she do before for comedy? So she, let's see, she was a teacher at one point. Um, she raised four kids. My grandfather was a Marine, so he did um, tours. tours in Nam. Um, then she worked uh, the latter half of her life. She worked at uh, Bell South, the phone company. Oh, yeah. As an operator. Yep. Yep. So she was an operator um, down in Florida. We're, we're from Florida. Uh, and then comedy in her 60s, in retirement age. She my It was actually my grandpa died um, uh, early, uh, suddenly uh, cancer. Um, and then she was alone. And it was kind of one of those things where it was always like her secret dream. That that's what she wanted yeah, to do. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so she went after it, and that's really fucking cool. And that's so it's cool. So it, it, that was kind of the big thing with me too that inspires me with what I do and my writing. And I would love to publish a book someday. And um, you and I talked about this: is just because you think that you're not where you think you're supposed to be in life. Again, no timelines. Like, yeah, you don't you, don't do you that at, to yourself. Because you at one point. Might I hope you didn't think this, but if you're anything like me, you did. You were probably like, 
I'm in my 40s. I'm not starting a podcast. Right. Who the hell am I? Right. Or I'm in my 40s and I'm dating now. I'm divorced. I still haven't had kids. I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to write a book. Like, are you fucking serious? Like, it's too late. What are you doing with your life? Yeah. Um, What I'm doing with my life is what I want to do. And I'm not going to put a timeline on it. And I don't think anybody should put a timeline on dreams and goals and uh, or relationships or whatever, whatever it is that you're your thing it is what it is and you'll get there when you get there yeah exactly and that's if you how beat yourself up over it it's just self-sabotage the comedy is one of the things that where i am very so comfortable where i'm at um it's like one of the most comfortable things i where i'm at as far as like with my career like because i can say i've made some money i haven't made a ton of money but that's not why I'm doing it anyway. Like, yeah. if that happens, awesome. Same with me. Cool. <laughs> like, with the podcast, if it starts making money, cool, dope, um, bonus. But uh, like this month, I have not been on very many shows, and m- some of the comedians I know would be like, "What the hell am I doing wrong? Like, what's going on?" But I'm like. I didn't really think like that. I did a post on Facebook where I was like, oh, I'm not doing that many gigs this month. And it kind of came off the wrong way because one of my friends texted me about it. But that wasn't what I was going for. I was, uh, I don't even remember what the post was about because it was just like a random post. Um, But it made me think about it. I'm like, do I feel bad about not being on shows this month? Like, do I feel like I'm being outed or like not being put on shows or I'm not funny enough? No, I yeah. don't. Um, and then I was like, look at next month. And I'm like, I'm like booked a lot next month. Mm-hmm. It's like it's just a weird month. That's all it is. My co-host always and says, honestly, just progress, not perfection. That's a big one. I hear that phrase. Megan always a says lot. that. And it, it does. It's yeah. I have to remind. I'll say that to myself sometimes in my head when I'm getting a little. Ugh. And I have some friends that. That started uh, started comedy after me, and they're headlining shows, and I'm like, great for them, awesome, mm-hmm. I support it. That's not where I am, and I know, and I'm cool with that. I'm not rushing it. Well, it's the same with everything, with the dating, and with you know, like. Oh yeah, definitely not rushing dating. It'll no. Yeah, can we go back to that a little bit? You talked about. Yeah. I want to <laughs> talk about that a little bit. I'm all right, right. We, let, can, we can talk I, about dating. I actually. One, we can I, let all the. I might have you back on one of my episodes where we talk about the whole because I have so many single women friends and in their 30s and 40s and kind of entering that world and it's fucked up. It's awful. So, and I really only hear the woman's side of it. Okay. So I want to hear right. it. Yeah. I want to hear it from a man. Like, all right. I gotta, I gotta sit up for this. Yeah. One. Hold on. Let's, can we take a break? Can we pause? You want to pause? Yeah. I want to pause. Just okay. If you've not already reviewed the Modern Day Overthinker podcast on your favorite platform, please take a second and do so if you'd be so kind. Also, if you're not following us on social media, following me on social media because it's just a one-man band here, I'm on Instagram, I'm on TikTok, I'm on Facebook. All the links are on moderndayoverthinker.com or mdoverthinker.com at mdoverthinker on all social media platforms. All right, back to the episode. Okay, so you you wanted to ask me about dating, yeah, uh, as said- a as a guy in my thirties or just in general. 
Uh, so yeah, I I could talk about this for a while. So uh, we'll try to keep it brief. We're over an hour now. So what do you got? You've hear, heard a lot of things from your female friends about what it's like out oh there. It's the wild west. It is like unsolicited dick pics. Oh. Like, do you get unsolicited vag pics? Because no, we get dick pics. That's not a thing. It's not a thing. No. Okay. No. Just curious. Which would be weird. <laughs> yeah. I think it's super bad every time. You know when he's like, you ever seen a vagina by itself? Yeah. Not for me. Not for me. <laughs> yeah. That's how we feel about your dick pics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what, what has been your experience with, and did you date? I'll bring you. Can I ask, did you date when you went, when you went sober, were you single? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Just curious. Okay. Yeah, I was single and uh, I had a lot of, I didn't date. I'm not a person that's been in a lot of serious relationships. I've had a lot of flings over the years um, you, when I was using especially. Um, have you ever had a serious relationship? I've had one and a half serious relationships. Uh, okay. One of them I was in high school. I thought it was more pretty serious. I don't know, looking back on it, how serious it was to her. Okay. Um, it was also a long-distance relationship. Where we met once in person. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, that's an episode that's uh, in itself. But now I'm starting to sound like you. That's okay. Uh, I know. It's, uh, there's lots of layers to us. Yeah, there's lots of layers. But so my last relationship I was in uh, was uh, with someone who was also in recovery. Um, she isn't. She's still in recovery now. Uh, and we met through recovery meetings, which okay. I know is kind of, yeah. Some people have is success it with it. Upon? The frowning upon is when you're new, when either they're new or you're new or you're both new. It's kind of like walking on eggshells. It's kind of not the greatest thing because you should be working on yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really easy to, you know. Codependency. Get, yeah, codependency and not work on yourself. Or, mm-hmm. and it, yeah. So we started dating. Uh, I was like a year and a year and a half. I was a, I was a couple years clean. She was like a year clean. And um, we dated for a couple years. Um, I had to end the relationship because uh, I couldn't fix her. Classic. Um, and, um, so then I was back on the dating, dating pool, but I was on the dating pool before that, uh, when I stopped drinking and stopped going to bars, I was like, I don't know how to meet women. Yeah. I was like, so I did get on the apps, didn't have much success with the apps. Um, any good stories out of the apps? Uh, like any crazy dates or anything? No, honestly, like. Getting to the date portion is the hardest part. It's like a, it's like a game. Um, mm. The dating apps for men, and almost any men will t- tell you this, unless they're like Matt Rife or something, uh, who, <laughs> who's just cleaning up. Um, pussy and, everywhere. Yeah, just getting it thrown <laughs> at him left and right. Yeah, but it, pussy, but not love. See, maybe. True. Oh, maybe True. He's probably really lonely. I've actually thought about that. I'm like, I have empathy for that guy because in, in a weird way, 
um, because it's like he doesn't have to. He, there's no chase for him. Uh, but the thing with dating apps is you have to put in a as a guy if you want to get matches, if you want to get messages, if you want to get dates, which is what you want. Obviously, out of dating apps, uh, you need to put a lot of effort into you building the profile like you were talking about earlier, getting those right pictures, getting that bio, talking to your girlfriends, all that, mm -hmm. getting all that perfect. I had a buddy of mine who did, like, research and made his profile as perfect as possible, and it worked for him, but he treated it like a job. Mm. And me, not going to do that. Yeah, I, I, I don't blame you. Like, doesn't that kind of feel fake? It does. It yeah. does. And his girlfriend seems really cool. I've only met her a couple of times. She seems awesome. Um, and he seems to be doing really well. And I think it's okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's been people that have met people off of dating apps. My ex, actually, uh, who is getting married next month, it met her significant other uh, on a dating app okay. after dating me. I've heard uh, success stories. So there are success stories. It happens. Uh, but also, there are less success stories than there are failures. Not failures, but like defeats. Like people deleting the apps and re-downloading the apps, deleting them. I did that a lot of times. I Yeah, I've heard that a lot. Yeah, multiple <laughs> times. And I, it's also not, it's a job in a sense of, you know, getting that, you know, that good image out there. But also, like, the messages you send, down to the messages you send and getting that person's attention, getting that woman's attention. Because to every one of you, there are ten more. If they're a good catch or a good, mm -hmm. you know, at least they look good online. Yeah. Um, which could be a whole other scenario. Yeah. Um, then you're competing and I am not a competitive person unless I'm, like, in a competitive situation, mm -hmm. like, playing a board game. Like, I'm a nerd. I like doing shit like that. Or, like, like you know, playing, like, uh, you know, golf's not really – golf's more of a competition with myself. But you get it. Like, any competitive – if I'm in a competitive environment, I don't like that in dating. I don't feel like I have to should have to compete. Yeah. I don't it just feels gross to me and and it also makes me feel I already suffer not suffer. I deal with self-esteem issues anyway. And it just I highlights it. It just highlights yeah, it. It I, makes me feel more like I shit. I hear I hear that from less women. Less desirable. I hear that from women. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you feel less desirable and I'm like I don't need that in my life. I would rather just you know, and and the dating apps, the, getting those likes and the swipes, and like, you're like chasing a high. Yeah, I mean, people chase likes. Period. Dating or not dating. Yeah, just yeah, in yeah. Life in general. Oh yeah, it's chasing a high, and I'm like, I don't want to do that either. And uh, do you want? Do you want to date? Like, are you, are you at a a good place where you think you're ready to involve somebody else in your world? I think so. Yeah, yeah? you're uh, ready for it. Yeah, because I've thought about that. I'm like, if I wanted to wait until I was like, because the bar I set for myself is ridiculous. If 
if I wanted to wait until I was like completely 100% ready in part of my mind, I would be alone forever. Okay. Yeah. Um, because of the unrealistic expectations. Yeah, I, set I, for I fought that too. I stayed single for a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's been a couple of years for me. It's been two and a two and a half years for me uh, since my last relationship. Um, and uh, yeah. So I do want to date and I'm trying to put myself out there more. Um, my thing is like, where do I go? How do I, you know, I saw you posted that. Like, how do you approach a woman outside of a bar? Yeah. Like where am I supposed to go? Where am I supposed to go? My therapist like, just go, go to the grocery store. I'm like, what the? What am I supposed to roll up on somebody yeah, in the meat department? I'm, I'm going to interrupt <laughs> your grocery shopping. N- neither of us want to be here. Like, we just want to yeah. get our shit and go, you know? Yeah. Um. I mean, if you're... You got to get creative. I'm trying to get more creative about it. I want to get more creative about it. I think it's fun, but... Do you involve yourself in activities outside of the comedy and your podcasts? Like... Um, the meetings, Anything? but I don't want to meet. I don't want to do that again. No. I've done that a couple like, times. Like for instance, like on Thursday nights, I play volleyball. Yeah, with like things like that. Like there's there's something in Cedar Rapids called the CR Social Club. Okay, and it's um you know volleyball leagues, dodgeball leagues. Like every season, I need to changes. find something. There's something like that in the Quad Cities. It's I, I, need I think that would be a really good outlet for you. You would be surprised. Yeah, and comedy. It's I an have option. I have met. Uh, you know, I have met women through comedy, which, um, nothing too bad, but just none that worked out. Um, but, uh, there were exper- good experiences for the most part. Yeah. Um, some were other comics, which I'm not trying not to do that. Um, and, uh, but, you know. Why? So mainly. <laughs> I'm curious. Uh, it's kind of like a don't shit where you eat kind of thing. Okay, because uh, they'll be in the circuit, the same circuit as yeah, you. Gotcha, yeah, gotcha. it's a small, it's a small uh, community. Okay, gotcha. especially in the quad. That makes sense. Especially in the quad cities, maybe I'd have to like my buddy Dan McCullough, uh, who's a great guy. Who I every time I bring up his name, I'm like, damn it, I haven't had Dan on the podcast. He's a great guy. Um, he was the first person who, after an open mic, pulled me aside and was like, hey, dude, like. You had, a couple, you had a couple good jokes there because, you know, I thought I bombed. Um, and uh, I knew I didn't completely bomb, but it wasn't great because I didn't know what to expect when I got on stage. I didn't know. I knew I would be anxious. I knew I would, it would be awkward, you know. Yeah. But, man, I got, I got a spike of anxiety that I hadn't had in a long time, and mm. I was like, oh, shit. I forgot what I was gonna say. I I ended up telling a story about shit in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll get the ladies. Yeah, that'll get you a bunch of women after. Um, uh. But I talked to Dan, who has probably shit his pants more than he'd like to admit. Um, <laughs> I hope he hears that. But uh, <laughs> he pulled me aside and was like, "Hey, dude, yeah." And he's like, "He did really well," and um, I really appreciated that. And he connected me with the the scene. He was from Dubuque. He's from Dubuque. 
And he's like, there's a Facebook page for Iowa comedians. There's a Facebook page for Quad City comedians. Let me get you in there. And, and that's been awesome. And, um, yeah, it's a small community, though. And So no dating there. Trying not to do that. I mean, I, I'm not totally opposed to it. It's different than dating in recovery where uh, it's an even smaller uh, community and everybody sees everybody and um, it uh, can get a little bit like high school sometimes. Uh, I can see that. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say really, I mean, if you're asking advice, I think you need to put yourself out there and do other activity. You know what I yeah. mean? It's it's kind of like kind of like is high school or college. Like you meet people through the social yeah. outlets or activities or the swim team or the debate team or whatever outlet it is that you know club that you're in so maybe just immersing yourself into different maybe you need a year of yes colin year of yes you know what i mean like no to drugs take, well yeah <laughs> no, no drugs no done. drugs and no butt stuff yeah um i'm good there yeah. but yeah just doing things out of your norm like do you, do you camp? I do try do you to do camp? that anyway. Do you hike? Do you do anything, stuff like that? Um, I do like camping. Uh, hiking, eh. Nah. I'll do it. Uh, it's not my, it's not something I really desire to do. Even like but joining like a bags league or. I actually thought about pickleball because I actually <sighs> have played pickleball and it's really catching on. Yeah, and there's a pickleball courts coming here to Cedar Rapids. Yeah, there's actually this place, um, I wish they would bring it to somewhere near here, but it's like a, it's a pickleball like place, and it also has a restaurant. That's it's like, what's coming to Cedar Rapids. What's it called? Uh, oh shit! Is it a chicken place? Uh, yeah, it's and it's got a funny name. Um, yeah, yeah, but they're gonna have rooftop pickle. Yep. Bar. Yeah, yeah, yep, it's yep, coming yep. to Cedar Rapids. Yeah. Yeah, my dad told me about that. My dad is a businessman. And he's like, that's oh, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. He, who likes pickleball and who also would never normally be interested in owning a restaurant because it's such a hard business yeah. to get into. People yeah. think it's so easy because everybody eats. No, that's uh, not the case. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. A lot of hours. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think you just need to immerse yourself into some new activities. Yeah. Because, again, like we, t- we, we talked about on, uh, on my episode, that, like changing your playground. Yeah. That is true. You know, changing your playground for negative reasons is, you know, you have to change your playground for positive reasons, too. Oh, yeah. So, I, I mean, I that year of yes that I did, I said I took dinner invitations, party invitations. Um, I took I started kayaking. So now I'm like crazy kayaker. Like I love kayaking. It's yeah. so fun. Um, just saying yes to. Well, and you need to, too. I think maybe allow yourself to let the people in your circle and around you know that you want to be invited to stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. You're so saying. all Colin's friends out there listening, mm-hmm. invite him to everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like let besides people, just comedy shows. Yeah, just maybe let people know, like, hey, I, you know, I'm interested. If you guys do something fun or whatever, like, I'd love an invite. Maybe I won't always say yes. Yeah. But. To at least have the opportunity and then maybe kind of force yourself to say yes. Because you never know. You could meet your fucking new wife at some random dinner party or bowling something you go to or, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, some of my other hobbies are not as uh, inclusive. They're very selective about, like, golfing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's solo. I can do it solo. I don't yeah. normally do it solo. But, but you yeah, probably do it with dudes. dudes. Yeah. 
yeah. sausage fest. Yeah. Also, yeah. I also I, I had a post on Facebook recently about I do have some women recruiting for me that are actively looking. I think I'm gonna start actively looking for you. Start recruiting. We could her. do like a dating show. We could film it like the dating game. Remember the uh, dating game back in the day. We could put it like behind door number one. Yeah, behind door number one. <laughs> we have one. Stacy from Davenport. Or like I walk out. Of, what was the What was the one on MTV with the that was super cheesy? Like this is Chad. oh with Jenny McCarthy. This is Chad. And he punches drywall. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and it's like where they walk out of the yeah. the van. It was an MTV. I one. I remember. That was yeah. stupid. Yeah, I'll I'll advocate for you. Yeah, I mean I am. Taking applications, I actually, I actually have a, uh, a this my, my friend, uh, my friend Susie or Susanna, she likes to formally be called. Um, she's an just an old hippie, uh, punk rock chick, and uh, I had her on the podcast. But she used to be a matchmaker, oh. and uh, she's like, I've been. She's like been advocating for me hardcore. It's hilarious. I love it. She's like, I see you with this type of person. And like, I don't know, maybe. She was like basing it on like profession and stuff. I'm like, hmm. she's like, I see you with like a middle or like a, a school teacher or something. I'm like, well, my ex was a teacher. Uh, that didn't work out too well. But she was <laughs> a high school teacher. Maybe it's, maybe she has to be a specific type of teacher. Maybe. No, I don't know. Maybe. But, um, yeah, so we'll see. Just put yourself out there, Mark. Get I'm trying. Involved. I'm trying to go out of my way to, uh, to force myself to start conversations. Yeah. Um, like I did it the other day, and it, it didn't turn out to end up going anywhere, but it was still cool. Like I did it. It's practice. But I went out of my way to talk to a girl, before a comedy show. Actually, um, it was an open mic, so people were there early, and went out of my way to talk to her, and we immediately like. We're hitting off and talking shit to each other and like because that's like my love language like i'll just like roasting people that's like, me too yeah, yeah and just like yeah just like playful banter you know mm -hmm. and we were doing a little of that like right away and i was like oh this is cool and um but it ended up working out and like but it was still cool like that i did that and had that interaction and didn't think I didn't even like think twice about it when I I saw her walk up like you, like talk to her right now, mm -hmm. uh, and I did that, and uh, then I told my friend about it who's also struggling with it, and he talked to a girl and got her number in Chicago when he was over there in the, when he was there on the weekend. He'll probably listen to this, so, um, and finding a friend like that has been huge for me too. Like I haven't had a lot of good friends in my life that um, I've had. People that care about me and have been cool, but a lot of surface level relationships and friendships. Mm -hmm. And it did. It wasn't until I got into recovery that I actually had like real um, conversations with people and like in depth conversations about like what's going on with us, and motivating each other and really supporting each other on what we do. And uh, so important. Yeah, like this, like my friend Tommy, who will it more than likely listens that he listens to the episodes and uh, my friend Ashley she listens to the episodes her and Katie like they're all like solid people I can talk to and um, it's the same it's a two-way street as well and um, but yeah like 
just sharing that with him motivated him. He may have done it anyway. I don't know. Um, to, you know, get out of his comfort zone. Cause we both talk about like, you know, we don't want to be, you know, what we, you know, there's all these different thoughts in our head. We don't want to come off like a creepy guy or, <laughs> you know, we don't have bad, you know, it's all, we like overthink the timing and all this stuff and like starting a conversation with somebody, which really, and really it's just a conversation. Like, yeah. You don't have to, it's just, you don't have to just overanalyze treat it. Treat it like a conversation. Yeah. And that's all I did with this girl. And it was so natural, like right off the bat. And I was like, shit, that was not hard at all. Like, yeah. And, but I can make it very hard in my head. Yeah. That's yeah. the stupid part. And then it's yeah. just like, I just need to like. Let it go. Yeah. Just let go. Why? Picture like, him as a dude or something. Like you're just going to go up Yeah, and talk I could to talk to bros all day. That's like, what I mean. Or, or, I could, or, or like if, uh, sounds bad, but like a woman I'm not attracted to or a woman that I don't see that way or, you know, that I'm mm-hmm. not, that, that I'm not. My attempt isn't to try to date that person. I've told some of my guy friends that when they've asked me that. I'm like, talk to them the way you talk to me. And they're like, but it's you. It's different. And I'm like, <laughs> but still, like, yeah. It's like you say it's you. Put you, them on it's this huge, you put them on this pedestal yeah. that, that doesn't exist. Yeah. They're just like anybody it else. It doesn't matter. And, and really, as women, we want you to just talk to us like that, like just normal, like, hi, what's up? Like, yeah, you don't need to get all like. We don't Rico Suave me. Like you don't pick up lines and bullshit no. like that. Yeah. I mean, unless they're funny. Unless it's just stupid funny. Yeah, yeah, if it's stupid funny. Like I went on a date once. His his pickup line was so funny. He he came up to me at a bar and he like kind of started doing this, like looking like around me, and I'm like, what the fuck <laughs> is he doing? Nice. And he said, he goes, Peacock is move. that a keg behind you? Because I would tap that. Uh, and I laughed. So, And he laughed. Like, he wasn't being a creeper about it. Like, yeah. he was being funny. And I laughed so hard. And he was like, can I get your number? And I'm like, absolutely. Uh, you yeah. get 10 points for that. That was funny. Yeah. Is that a keg behind you? Because I would tap that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, there was genuine in it I guess like he was he was he it delivered was, it well it was his funny way of taking his shot yeah and I, and I knew that I wasn't like you're a fucking creep like, Ugh. and I know that's a problem with guys too is girls are rough on you guys <laughs> they can be they can be pretty rough and yeah you I need, wish they were nicer I need to stay away from certain like videos on social media where I'm like where it's women talking about um they're just like a group of women and they're just bashing dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just like, oh, that was another thing I wanted to tell you. I wanted to give you a compliment and say that you, I think I put it in my phone a certain way. I said, oh, you're not just some dumb chick with a podcast. Ah, thank you. And thank you. you, yeah, you have a purpose for your podcast. Absolutely. And it's not about you. It's not like main purpose isn't for you to get as much attention as you can no that's a guy it's actually the exact opposite yeah yeah and i know that and i could tell because i can smell bullshit from the mile away Mm -hmm. i've been around a lot of bullshitters i've been a bullshitter i genuinely just don't want people to feel like they're alone because i I know how that that i know how it feels and it it really sucks it does suck and when you don't have and you know the power of sharing that story because you've seen it impact people Almost instantly. Dude, it's so crazy. Like, 
It's the, wild. The men and women that reach out to me after a, any number of episodes or a particular episode and the things that they tell me or say to me is just so like, oh, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Like, yep. I'm like, uh, like I had a post. I don't even know these people. They're strangers. Yeah. And I just helped them and made their day better. And it, it feels so good. And it, it warms my ooey gooey hippie soul. And oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to share this. Then I had to end the episode because we're at like an hour and a half. Oh, damn. Yeah. We talked for a while. Um, and I still have to tell. I wish I could teleport home. I talk about that all the time. Oh, like, why I is that not a thing? Too. I know. Why is that not a thing? I know. It's just bullshit. Be. God damn it, Scotty. Yeah, Elon, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> your priorities are messed up. I know, up. fuck your Tesla. Uh, yeah, um, but I had a post recently on the um, on Facebook and where I was just like, you know what, I'm struggling with the podcast. You probably saw it. I did see it. And I, I was did. and I was just like, and I wasn't. Re- I just kind of put it out there. I was just like venting. It's okay. And. Uh, I got a message. I got a couple messages, but the one message in particular that stood out was um, she might hear this. I don't think she'd be upset about this because I really appreciated her message. So I had a friend of mine on the podcast last year, uh, summer last year. I can't remember if it was June or July. Uh, my friend Brad. It was a new friend that I had made from doing comedy. He was kind of like, uh, he was a friend of a lot of the comedians, and he had started doing stand-up as well. Okay. And um, he approached me a couple times. He's like, uh, he's like, dude, I want to be on the podcast. I want to talk about, I want to talk about veteran suicide because he's a veteran. He's like, I keep losing brothers and call them brothers because it is. He was a part of, uh, I forget, man, I can never remember the name of the uh, nonprofit, but it's like, it's around the number 22 because that's how many statistically, how many uh, vets take their lives every day. And um, he, so we did an episode and he was one of the most like hyped up people like to be on the show ever. Like he was so excited to be on the show. And uh, we did the episode, released it. It was uh, it was great, and it started and it made our relationship better because I I knew him, but I didn't know him that well. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I got to know him a little bit more. And uh, unfortunately, uh, he he took his life um, in September of last year. And um, after that happened, I found out that, um, I, I mean, I learned many things about him, but one thing like that was personal to me was he listened to every single episode of my podcast. I didn't know that. And he would like talk to other people about it all the time. Like my friend Shane, he has a podcast. They were best friends and he listened to my podcast more than Shane's <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Shane told me that, and he was like, dude, this dude was, like, my best friend, and I would be, like, asking if he listened to my episodes, and he was, like, talking about one of your episodes. I was like, oh, man. It resonated with him. Yeah, and he just, he loved what I was doing, and his mom messaged me and was like, don't stop. Well, she commented on it, on on my post, and messaged me. Yeah. And said, 
I mean, I don't, I'm paraphrasing, but basically, don't stop what you're doing. You've really helped me. I listen. I she goes back and li- she listens to that episode. Yeah, and it's actually my second listen to episode. I think because uh, people go back and listen to it. I think uh, his mom does. I think his sons do. Um, a couple other people. I haven't gone back and listened to it because I'm afraid. Um, I, I'm going to, I'm waiting on the right time. Like I, I'm going to do it, but it just hasn't felt right yet. Yeah. And, um, part of me, which he would have actually wanted me to share that episode after he passed away, but like, Hey, and like use it as a shameless plug, but I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Um, cause he like legitimately like supported that. He just supported, supported this so much and what I was doing. And, um, yeah, and that was a huge reminder. message. Yeah, a huge reminder for me to get, like, that I needed. Because um, I wasn't going to quit. I wasn't going to stop. I was just feeling frustrated. I got hung up on I got hung up on the numbers and all that shit, and it was stupid. And I know this is a long game. This isn't. It's, mm-hmm. it's like comedy. Yeah. Um. It's all about consistency. It's all about keeping it going. And, um, cause yeah, I would eventually like to get to a point where maybe I did this full time, but like that isn't really the end goal with the podcast or the main goal right now. It's just like the number of people that it affects that it do listen mm-hmm. and do listen consistently. And, yeah, that was a that was a reminder I needed, and I really appreciate her reaching out to me about that because, yeah, I was just in my feels that day. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, it matters though. Yeah, I mean, just when you get in your feels like that about it, just remind yourself why you're really doing it. Oh yeah, that's all you. I, mean. I had to. I was just, I was at, I was having a burnout day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were just like, ah, uh, yeah, putting all this work. All this time and like, especially with the videos, I'm like, why am I even doing video if 20 people are watching? I'm like, oh yeah, I need the clips, yeah, because uh, the clips are huge. People love the yeah, clips, and the, I, know. I watch, I watch a lot of clips. I do too, uh, and I, I don't do any audio or video with my podcast. Yet, yeah, you're just you're getting a good base though. Yeah, and I did audio for a long time before I did video. I, I was actually going. I said I would never do video. I don't even love the social out media aspect of it, but I'm not like a huge social media. Like it's been really, really hard for me. Like yeah. I'm not an Instagram girl. Like I'm not, you know, like I'm not, Yeah. I'm not big on the social media. I try really hard. I'm getting better at it. Like well, I, I'm a like nerd I didn't have when TikTok. it comes to, I'm a nerd when it comes to social media. So Ugh, you can pick my brand. I'm, I might you. bill you later, but you know, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, it's not my, it's not my jam. Like I'm just, Oh, I love it. Okay. it, it I hate that. I love it. But I love the, I love it from a soci- sociology perspective mm-hmm. and a marketing perspective. Mm-hmm. I like the marketing aspect of it. The marketing I mean, aspect's huge. Yeah, I mean, and that's my jam. Like, I, I went to school for that and everything. Like, that's a, a love of mine. But maybe it's just because it's about me that I'm like, ugh. Yeah, yeah, ugh. I get it. I get it. Promoting yourself and, yeah. It's like, it's like interviewing at a job it's like, just give me the job. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, you guys talked about it on one of the episodes. Um, you're like, yeah, it, if we, I didn't have to go through the interview, just give me the job. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, once you meet me, you're going to fucking hire me. You're yeah. going to love me. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, oh, yeah, I, I talk about that on stage. Actually, I have a joke about date about the dating apps where i say uh yeah i deleted all the dating apps it felt like applying for jobs and uh, i'd rather just bitch about the job i have right now (laughs) (laughs) it's way way easier for sure it is it is because yeah applying for jobs also sucks yeah i'm actually in that process right now yeah yeah i'm leaving my company in july so ah i'm on a whole new venture Nice. Mm-hmm. I respect that. Mm-hmm. It's scary. I kind of feel like the way my the way I work is like I kind of like I love that I love the pressure. I do too. Like I kind of I kind of like I've that. thought about like at certain points where I've been frustrated with my job like I've wanted to be like okay, I'm done. I'll find something else because I I know like the f- uh, like, you know, I know the consequences if I don't. Yeah, yeah. And that's the last thing I would want to do is I'm not moving back home again. I I, I will live under a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> I will be homeless. Yeah. <laughs> like before I have to go back in that basement again. I was yeah. there so many times. Yeah. <laughs> I've been six years, well, five years out of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I've been with the company that I work for for 15 years. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Mm. Dang. Well, this is a... Yeah. Yeah. It's like a breakup. It is. It does. It feels like that, like an end of an era. Like... Yeah. It does. But it's it's good, and it needs to happen, and I'm going to see what next chapter is. Yeah. Hopefully something that I actually enjoy and can put a little that's bit that's not just a job yeah yeah i'm i'm that's where i'm at in life is i yeah i want to love it a little bit more mm-hmm. um you get it yeah and if the other stuff pans out and i mean like i said i'd really just love to not have to work and be run group therapy and write books for the rest of my life but that's ideal yeah maybe in my 60s like grandma yeah, you might have to <laughs> you might li- be living, living grandma's life. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that. So, yeah, I'm just figuring it out still. Just like you, just like everybody else out oh, there listening. Yeah. Is we hold ourselves to these standards when the reality is, whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, we're all still figuring it out. Yep, I think that's a good way to end it. I'll get there when I fucking get there. Exactly. Yeah. All right, well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you. And uh, until next time.